If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to And Security for All. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. I'm also the CEO of FutureCon Events. We produce cybersecurity events all over North America. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. Today's a super exciting day. We are also, we are on LinkedIn Live in correlation with our live show on Voice America. If you're new to the show, welcome back or welcome here and to all our regular listeners, welcome back. Today, I have another great guest. Today's topic, we're going to talk about how lack of emotional intelligence affects cyber professionals. We are going to touch on the state of the cyber job market, which is a huge problem right now. Um, my guest today is the founder of the founder and CEO of CyberSN. She's also the founder of Secure Diversity Cybersecurity Talent Solutions. She has created the largest cybersecurity talent acquisition uh, service and technology firm in the U.S. while focusing on cybersecurity talent shortage, specifically the shortage of uh, women. Her mission is to remove the pain from the job searching and and the job searching and helping people find people. She was named the Cybersecurity Woman of the Year, People's Choice winner in 2020. I had the pleasure of meeting her out at RSA in 2020 when she sat on a breakfast podcast with us. Um, So today I have the famous Daedra Diamond. Welcome to the show, Daedra. I love that introduction. Famous without having to be stopped on the streets, luckily. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody knows you in the industry. And for those out there that don't, if they don't know Daedra, can, let's talk about you for a minute. First of all, welcome to the show. And um, before we talk, you know, dive into today's topic, um, can you just tell us a little bit about you know, CyberSN and your journey, how you got there and how you became the woman of the year in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Love to. You know, my story is rare, which is why I like to get out and talk about it. I'd like it not to be rare, uh, specifically for women. I represent the 1% technical founding CEOs of a tech company, and we don't want that. And so, yes, my story uh, ties into the title of our fireside chat today, Kim, which is emotional intelligence and the job market. I was hired out of college by two serial entrepreneurs uh, who believed in investing in people and training them and, and believed that emotional intelligence training was super important. And I worked for them for 21 years across three different companies. That brought me into Rapid7 as the first vice president of sales in the second half of my career. And I fell in love with the cyber community. The first half of my career was was uh, IT and software staffing. And so when it was time for me to go on my own as everybody was retiring, it made sense for me to put the two together. I'm a social criminal justice major and I love social service. So I love servicing the community of cyber professionals and I put the two together and we're solving big problems. There are massive problems in searching and matching 
professionals in cyber jobs to that are it's causing emotional distress. Never mind the normal emotional distress from the shortage that we have. So, so I'm I'm certainly focused on that as well as bringing women into cyber and founding my own firm is what showed me that I was the one percent and I realized it and I thought I got to get out there and talk about the types of cultures I've come from and the trainings that I create and implement and, and are part of. Well, culture is definitely the topic of discussion, especially on our shows. We put on, as you know, cybersecurity events all over North America. And many, many of our CISOs talk about just emotional intelligence and just just trying to keep people and changing the culture. So what is the what's the difference between secure diversity, cybersecurity, talent solutions? How's that different from cyber SN? Can you yeah. break those down for us? Yeah, yeah. So for sure. Sure, CyberSN is focused on uh, staffing and talent solutions, and Secure Diversity is focused on bringing women into cybersecurity specifically from entry level, and then training and, uh, or excuse me, offering them training and support to grow their career, and women in cybersecurity and grow their career. So it's more of a supportive training, community, networking, uh, and support publicly speaking in our day of security events uh, where women are are uh, presenting all day long. So it's, it's uh, not a staffing firm, Secure Diversity. So are you guys actually starting from the beginning? Like, you know, we have the Girl Scouts now that have a cybersecurity badge. Are you really going to the schools and starting to push you know, these programs to the younger kids? Yeah, so we're in the 18 and over today, but we are in, we certainly support uh, the organizations that are out there doing under 18, and soon we will join forces. The biggest thing is the content, which we've created at CyberSN, which is the taxonomy of the tasks and projects that are associated with jobs descriptions, you know, and what is it that employers want? What are they looking for? What are the skills? And so we have that content and everybody has access to it. And it's actually July 31st, we're launching a full career center of entry level to CIOs to not only have that data that I just described, but to use it to career path and salary career path and associated with training and, and certs and degrees. And so a whole career center because the entry level crew, even though we're doing a good job at bringing women in, we don't, we're having a tough time of entry level people getting absorbed in the industry. Uh, and so we've got quite a few challenges happening at once. And, and so really, uh, luckily, there's a lot of organizations out there working at it and we'll, we'll conquer it, but it takes time. It just takes time. That's the challenge. And we don't have time. We're short. So it's, it's scary. Yeah. Yeah. So short. So what have you seen over the past year as far as, you know, and we'll get into the emotional intelligence and what that is, but what have you seen with turnover and people coping through COVID? What have you seen as far as people staying with companies, leaving companies? Have, has there been a higher rise of people leaving companies? Yeah, so it's been really interesting, you know, as you we, we went through a crisis, we hit a crisis. Uh, what did it do to the cyber job market? You know, of course, in the first few months of March to let's say May, everybody stopped hiring and sort of put things on hold. And we were all just trying to figure out what's going on. You know, none of us had been through something like this before. It wasn't a recession. It was a, a health epidemic. So, so, um, so, so that happened. Things got put on hold, and then you know you started to see some of the industries that got really hit by 
this uh, economy put on hold like uh, air uh, and travel and hotels and service industries. And so you started, we started to see a little bit of layoffs there in cyber, but it was small and it was specifically more around security analysts and operations, not product security. That was a, a, a very distinct difference that we saw that even though there was a, just a little bit of layoffs, it wasn't in product product security or application security. Uh, and, and again, the layoffs were minimal. In fact, you know, fast forward a couple of months after that, and everybody's feeling the pain of remote, you know, remote workers and how to support them and phishing attacks go up and everything goes, is going up. And so security has become even more of a focus uh during covid and so now we're seeing people everybody's calling now you know the phones are ringing off the hook so it's actually in, uh, increased the need for cyber professionals so which is which is not a good place for us all to be in fact i've i've been saying this recently that we need product companies to help solve because humans cannot get to all the things that need to be done based on how short we are and how long it takes to develop the talent. And, you know, we talk about that all the time again on our shows that, you know, our motto at FutureCon is cybersecurity is no longer an IT problem. It is no longer an IT problem. It's a whole company problem. And, you know, the CISOs are so frustrated, you know, with people still not even following the basic rules. So, you know, just don't click on this. But um, so let's talk a little bit about emotional intelligence. Can you tell us what that is? Yeah, I, I'm out, I've been out talking about this for the last five years because of how poor our retention statistics are. And, and it's not to say that it's just cyber, by the way. It's You could apply it to all of tech, although cyber isn't tech, so I, I, I get the distinction. But really, it's in, in, in humanity today. We, you know, In lots of fields, we have not been focusing our training and development around emotional intelligence unless it was a sales training is what I think. And so, you know, EQ is the, you know, uh, the capacity to be aware of and control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and with empathy. That's literally what emotional intelligence is. It's the key to both personal and professional success. And, you know, IQ is the abbreviation for intelligence quotient, right? IEQ is, uh, is emotional quotient. And, and IQ is a person's level of intelligence measured by tests. And so really just getting that information together, they make our personalities. Okay. It's, it's powerful stuff for everybody to grasp because this is where our weaknesses are, is in our, in our emotional intelligence skills. It's a skill. Well, I think that, you know, when you have IT people, you know, many of them are very black and white, you know, it's, it's that. So how do you, how do you, how do you change that? I mean, they are who they are. So how are you going to train someone to, to do what you're trying to, do and that's come out of your box a little bit and you know sometimes when I was at live events I have a whole audience of IT people and it's so interesting because you can see the people that won't talk all day that sit at their table that don't go into the vendor room and then you've got the other people that are the IT people socializing so how do you tap into those 
quiet people that just want to do their job and that's why they're in the IT industry. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting point. You know, I'd say gone are the days that just doing your job and being in IT means you're locked in a room by yourself. <laughs> like those days don't exist. And they did, though. I mean, Kim, when I first got into recruiting in 1994, we literally would ask the question, does this person and this was for IT people and software people, literally, does this person have to interact with other people? <laughs> <laughs> That's how rare it was. And so we knew if they were, we had to find that person that was capable of interacting with other folks. And that's 30 years ago. Those days are gone. We have transformed into what the fourth industrial revolution has done for us, which is the data era, the service era, the era of humans collaborating at high levels, humans needing to collaborate to actually get a product done versus an assembly line, if you will, right? Manufacturing days. And so we can't allow that it just to be that. So, but here's the good news. EQ does not cap out. Like you can do all your research and check it out in that, you know, our IQ capacity and somewhere in our early 20s. And I and EQ can, can continue to grow should someone want to do it, meaning the skills can, can be done at any age. And we'll talk about the skills, Kim, but you know, I want to just real quickly say that if we don't, I don't, I don't understand how teamwork's going to get done because right now we are at high levels of attrition rate, you know, on average 12 to 18 months. This work that we all do cannot handle that kind of in and out and, and, and actually be productive and advance work, you know? So walk me through that a little bit. So you have a candidate that comes to you guys. What do you do? How do you start preparing them? And what's the process that yeah. you prep them for this job interview? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first thing we do is look at why are they coming to us? That's the most important thing because we have to solve that problem for them in order to have a successful experience. And so if you, my data is the same data that ISC squared is coming up with that all the SANS data, everybody's data in terms of unhappiness, it really comes down to 62 to 1% of the time sometimes up to 75%, depending on the level of the person, that there's a lack of training and growth uh, being you know, implemented to support their career. They don't have the, 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 the roadmap, if you will, of support of how they're going to grow and develop. They're just at a job. Nobody's, nobody's taking them on in terms of a career. That's the number one thing we hear. And so it's not just about making a move so that they can be doing something more meaningful than the job they're doing now, meaning, you know, doing tasks they haven't done before. It doesn't mean they're not going to do some that they're doing now, but that's, that's part of career development. But it's really that does the environment also then keep me going? I'm not going to just move because it's a better job right now. Like I'm really want to work somewhere that's going to invest in me and, and, and invest in training dollars and invest in career conversations. And so that so the number one thing we do is really look at that. Sometimes it's other things. Um, the number the number two thing is um, poor cultures, behaviors, not enjoying the culture of where I work. So that's the other forty percent, thirty eight, whatever you want to look at it. Uh, both of those stats require emotional intelligence from a manager. Emotional intelligence says all people want the same things. 
So if I want career advancement, why wouldn't the people that work for me? So what am I doing about that? They work for me. And how do I talk to them? What's my behavior and my interaction like? Is it supportive and empathetic and, and, and so forth? And so, you know, this is where the two really come together, emotional intelligence and the actual statistics that we're dealing with that are causing a high rate of people moving jobs. And I'll, I'll finish with this. I'm putting my stats in snowflakes because I want everybody to see them. Never mind, we'll have them, you know, in at my website. But the people we're placing are staying at their companies four times longer than the market. And now that I'm at seven years, I can, you know, I have that data, uh, and that's because we're putting them in places that actually have that career development. We won't work with a client that's not interested in that conversation, you know. So, so it, you know, the stats are also showing my stats that. It's true that when they have that, they're going to stick around. Well, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. We have a comment. Um, of course, it's someone with a hard last name, but I have to say it because he knows you. Ted uh, Guterres, maybe. He said, totally agree on your points, Deidre. Uh, great seeing you since the last time at Black Hat. So, um, so yeah, thanks, thanks, Ted, for joining in. Yeah. I, I bet you he's in Texas. He's got his cowboy hat on. Oh, yeah. He does have his cowboy <laughs> hat on. <laughs> Texas has it going on right now. Like, they're doing everything right. We had a Texas show yesterday. So so what, um, so what level are typically your clients that you're placing in jobs? Is it, where are they all over the spectrum as far as um, management, directors, uh, executives? Who do you typically work with? So we're, we only touch cyber. We won't touch anything that's not cybersecurity. Look at that. Yes, ma'am. That's tech. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, a true gentleman from Texas. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, so because all we do is cyber, the majority of the roles that exist in cyber tend to be um, engineering, more the hands-on technical roles and, and cloud security, application security. Those are just where the volume is, senior analysts, incident response, red teamers, blue teamers. Right. Uh, and so that's where the majority of the market is. So that just so happens to be that's the majority of our business. But we do plenty of director, VP, senior level roles as well. Uh, it's just got to be cyber. And as long as it's cyber, we'll take it. And, you know, we founded the job categories. We're at 45 uh, cybersecurity job categories. You can see it under our resources on our website. There's a lot of roles. I mean, Product security is lumped in there, right, in those sort of those technical roles that we see a lot and do a lot in product security. Um, GRC, uh, of course, is becoming more and more of a demand. Privacy is starting to really become a demand. It's a little bit still more talk than demand, uh, which means it's coming. But the really good news is that in the last, um, you know, 12 months or so or less, uh, we started to see a lot more director roles happening in cybersecurity. And that is music to our ears because that means we're actually investing in people that are supposed to be investing in others and that there's these layers of management that will take care of others versus kind of the C-suite and then, you know, hands-on folks, you know. Uh, and so we're really excited about that. That's going to make a big difference to what we're talking about. So what do you think, do you think there's a, still that, you know, you always hear that a CISO role is probably 12 to 18 months. Are you still seeing that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the interesting thing now is that because everything's remote, I'm hoping we'll see less of this because, you know, a part of retention statistics is that 
people are settling, whether it be the professional settling or the employer settling. It's not like their brain says to them, I'm settling, go ahead and, and settle. It's not like that. It's more like <laughs> I've been interviewing forever. Or I've been, inter you know, people at my company don't know I'm interviewing. I'm, I'm hiding that. That feels terrible. And yet it's the only way that it can be done. And the organization's been interviewing forever. And the fit isn't perfect, but everybody's kind of tired and wants to just go. And so people accept and people hire. And that's a problem. That's a, that's the problem is that it's so hard to find and find people and then match people. But if we open up the marketplace and you make it remote, well, you know, some of that hopefully will go away, that people will have more options. And so there'll be less settling. And, and, and the truth is on the C-suite, the location piece has been a big problem. Everybody's wanted them in one location. They have to live there. And so now that that's opening up, I'm hoping we're going to see less attrition at the C-suite. Well, and that's so interesting because I was talking to the CISO at Eli Lilly and she was, first of all, like she had to move from one location to get to Eli Lilly. Now in hindsight, she wouldn't have had to do that. And now, you know, I have here so many of them is that our, cho our choices are so great now because we can, we can go all over the country. You know, we're not stuck in Indiana with the talent that you have to choose for nothing against Indiana. Um, but it's just, you know, yeah. So, so it's interesting. And um, so how do you think that the, like the lack going back to these EQ uh, skills, how is it affecting cyber professionals? And before you answer that, my other question is, if there's so much opportunity in the job market, you know, aren't people at an advantage if they're not happy and the culture's awful, isn't it to their advantage to leave or is it, so I guess some people, you know, there's benefits and I don't know what's your thought on that. Yeah, let's do let's take that one first. You know, that it's one of my most interesting topics to talk about because um I I I, I want to solve the problem that and I am and have, I should I'll say, uh that job searching so hard. I mean, you can talk to most cyber professionals, if not all, will say nine out of 10 interviews that I have are the wrong interviews. And that meant that there was time even before the interview that was spent, then there was time at the interviews. That's a lot of wasted time. And so it, that, that has to be addressed in order to empower an, an individual to leave a company. You know, it's not that easy to leave is my point, even though there is a hot job, job market. We're, we're in a broken digital job searching system where job descriptions mean nothing and resumes are whatever anybody wants to put on them. And then recruiters don't speak cybersecurity and, you know, try searching on a job board. It's why I made our platform and uh, come July 31st, we're going to be launching the whole career aspect of it. It'll make it even better. But, you know, until that's completely solved at scale, it's it's still hard. I, I We meet cyber professionals all the time that say there's no way there's a shortage, you know, like I can't get the right interview. Uh, and so, and so that's, that's where that's at, but yes, you can find those people and they are out, out there. You just have to really put the work in, of course, working with us would help, but 
bottom line is we can't service everybody, you know? Uh, so getting a profile on our platform so that anybody can find you, it's anonymous by the way, in terms of your public profile will really help. But it's a, it, you know, today the system is not working for us to be able to leave in a timely fashion and not get into burnout and mental stress because we don't love where we work or we're not challenged or feeling supported or successful. And that's where your, your first question, emotional intelligence comes in again, like as, a, as somebody that runs a business, but also has been empowered to run business lines for so long, it's your job. Your job is to make a culture that people love and like and enjoy. And unfortunately, we haven't made that, you know, the, the, the number one role of a manager. We haven't uh, in society. My, I have, where I came from gave me that, which I'm so lucky and that's what I've prospered on. And yet we don't have that. And so money can still be made, which is why you know the change is slow, but it's not as fun. It's not keeping people healthy. It's not empowering our cyber professionals. And I'll, I'll end with this. It's actually creating vulnerabilities for our organization. So think of this, you're, you're employing these people to minimize your vulnerabilities, and yet you're not investing in them and taking care of them, and so now they're your vulnerability. Like, more than any other vulnerability. Because they're gonna leave, they're not gonna pay as great attention, they're not gonna be as committed, and that's just human nature. Who? It's not security people, that's just humans, how we work. We do have emotions. So what would your advice be to the employer, to the CEO, to the yeah. you know, C teams? What advice would you give them? What can they be doing different, especially when we're in such a state of every day, so many cyber attacks are happening that these guys, they can't do enough. So yeah. how do you, with the stress of that, how do you still create a nice culture and treat your people? You know, what can you do? It's such a great question. So at RSA about three years ago, I rolled out in, a, in one of my talks, the cyber hygiene model beyond hardware and software and took that cyber hygiene model to workforce development, which says you have to identify, you have to back up, you have to monitor and you have to update. So identify means all roles and responsibilities clearly defined so that everybody knows what they're doing and everybody's on the same page and you update it when those things change. Backup means you've got succession planning happening. You have to have succession planning. If there aren't juniors coming in that can take some of the more remedial stuff off of other and more senior people's daily uh, you know, uh, desk, then, then those people will never free up. They will never feel like they're moving forward and uh, they will leave. Uh, so you have to have succession planning, and when the, and when they leave, they'll actually stay and leave, meaning they'll just move up into a different role or a different department or a different place. We need to retain them, but you can't do it without succession planning, which means you have to invest in those people and train and develop them to come up to these other uh, positions. And then you have to monitor, you have to pay attention, you have to check in with people and care about them and see how they're doing in life in general on a regular basis. Like a manager's time has to have enough time to actually care for their people and it needs to be in their job description. And depending on how many people they have working for them, it depends on how much time of their day is needed. But this is a daily, weekly, monthly, you know, quarterly, yearly 
uh, you know, part of one's job. It's constant. And then the updating is the training dollars, the training experience, meaning investing in updating their skills. And so it's, a you know, just like we do with hardware and software, it has to be it has to be, we have to be attended to in the same way. And then we have to empower our managers with good EQ skills so that they can have win-win conversations and deal with performance challenges and deal with, you know, uh, lack of emotional intelligence skills in the people that work for them or lower emotional intelligence skills. You know, we have to, we have to give them the skills, which are Everything from managing and making measurable agreements to lean language to actual word choices to physical body language to verbal language and behaviors to, um, you know, uh, willingness to confront. And these are skills I teach them. My cultures, I've been taught lots of them. I've added to them. These are things that Myers-Briggs situational leadership you know, can help with. And then there has to be, you know, just a commitment. I'm sure there's other things. Those are things I like internally to that development of managers, which means anybody that reports to somebody else or has others reporting to them, excuse me, those people have to have those skills, has to. So it still seems a little, um, a lot, you know, it's a lot. Like, where yeah. does a company even start to, if they haven't had, you know, you see tons of companies with horrible culture, horrible turnover. Then you, you know, we all went back, everyone went home. How did you know your people are working? You know, how, you know, I, I've even read stories where, well, I had a guest on this show and we were talking about the human element, of course, of cybersecurity, which is back that seems to be always what everyone's talking about but there was a company in indiana back to indiana that actually put a keystroke tool like on their employees and i mean i how horrible is that you know to just see you know so so i mean what yeah you know that's an interesting one because um you know there's a level of uh, you know to be accountable for another human's skills and their performance as a manager there's a level of insight to what they're doing every day that one has to have in order to give them the right guidance meaning how do you you know know how to coach somebody through what's happening for them if you don't know what's happening on their daily life. So there has to be some level of accountability to remote working that can be measured. And I, I bet that if the culture was, a, which is behavior, by the way, the word culture, I'd like us all to change it to what's the behavior, <laughs> the, or, you know, it's behaviors. If the behaviors and the culture are lovely, I wonder if anybody would care about the keystroke. You know, because they could see it as a way to help understand how to fine tune what people are doing on a daily basis to get them more efficient, to free them up. I mean, that's that's how I use data. I use data of, you know, different usage of our technologies to say how to empower that person to do you know, greater not and and us and models and and how we look at things. So, you know, I think the tracking is it can always go overboard. I also think that we're in an era of data and data helps us with efficiencies. And so there's a fine line. And and yet, you know, the culture's probably got other things uh, a thousand times worse going on. If that's you know what I mean. <laughs> Usually, if that's where we're at. <laughs> well, and and you know, as as a CEO of my company, we have a 
you know, we have a small team and we all used to work together prior to COVID. We'll probably never go back to that because it's so, it's, it's way more efficient. People don't have to drive. You know, I had one employment employee, she was driving 30 minutes, you know, now she just gets up and she starts working. And I think everyone is way more productive. Now I'm in a role where we, because we have events all the time, you know, everyone has a job and it's very evident if you're not doing your job, nobody cannot do their job because it has to be done, you know? So I don't, you know, and you know, I'm always, and it's hard as a CEO. I was talking about this yesterday when I was hosting this CISO, um, this happy hour, it's hard because how do you reward your employees now that we're still remote? There was no Christmas parties. You know, you're not going to happy hours. You're not going to lunch. So, um, and time, and we're all busy and there's oftentimes I think in my head, oh gosh, I should do this, this, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I sent everyone something, but I never get around to it, you know? So I try to compensate by days off or, you know, little bonuses, but what would your recommendation be for just where we are today? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of going back into the offices, even after people feel significantly safe. I think there, there will always be offices. Don't get me wrong, but most people with experience probably won't be getting to them very often. I think juniors will see a lot more of a need for juniors and entry-level people to be around seniors and so forth. But we're going to have to figure that out virtually too. I know we have. I run those programs and we've had to figure it out. And so I think a couple of things. I, I, I want to come back to this behavior conversation because when, when the right behaviors are in an organization, meaning that the interactions between the individuals at the organization are professional and fun and smart, uh, literally all three of those things, you know, together, then, you know, one has to worry less about whether or not we can go to a happy hour or have a holiday party. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be thinking about how to do those things. It doesn't mean that we won't be doing those things. I'm just saying, that what is really going on, and the numbers show that 72% of the people that left their jobs in all of tech last year, this isn't just cyber, is, is saying that they would have stayed if it was a more respectful environment. So, wow. you know, how much are the dinners and the drinks going to do over that? And, you know, that's, the, that's what we've got going on. And that's behavior. That's words. That's how people are speaking to each other, whether it be verbally or digitally. It, that's behavior. And so I, you know, I'm rolling out this year uh, and uh, certainly going to roll it out at ISC Squared Congress and some other places too, but a behavioral um, standard that I created that it says, if you know, here's the basic level of behavioral standards in order to have inclusion because it's inclusive environments. Inclusive means I feel included. I feel important. I feel that I'm a part of this. I feel like people care about me. That creates diversity. You can't have it any other way. And so with inclusion behaviors, we can create mentally safe environments. And, you know, the willingness of CEOs is going to have to be willing to have standards. 
And so far in the U.S., we've been so scared of these standards and lawsuits. I'm going to get sued. I'm going to get sued. You know what? You don't get sued over standards that are, you know, about not name calling, you know, or, you know, or or not yelling at people. You know, it's OK. You can you can put these standards in place. And so, I, you know, I think there's some 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 basic work that has to be done immediately. And then the rest is in truly the craft of words and and how to use them in 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 different situations to get a win-win result which is not being trained on mostly unless you're in sales so our friend eddie doyle i don't know if you happen to know eddie from checkpoint he's awesome he is uh said working towards metrics not just time excellent so um, yeah. yeah, metrics help. I, I love them. At the same time, you know, uh, my, I track things and people don't complain because they know that we use them to help, not prosecute or hurt or anything. And with remote, I don't know how else to do it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you know how long somebody spent on a certain task or, you know, unless you ask them to write it all down all day long? <laughs> it's like, it's, hard so we, we well sometimes things you know just i was just doing an email yesterday to just it took me like two hours i'm like oh my god you know like why did that just take me two hours you know and so so you you have to understand that you know there are you know mm -hmm. when i you know i know because i've done every job there is in my company so i know how long it takes to do things and you know, our jobs are time consuming. So I think that we have to take that into account that when you think your employee is not doing something, how do you know that they're yeah. just, they're perfecting it and they're taking their time. And I think that usually comes through and you can tell, um, but it's the responsibility of the CEO to, to, uh, you know, shout that out and give that person accolades on it. Absolutely. And invest in their manager's EQ training. You know, there's programs, there's programs and they work. So just invest in them. <laughs> you know, it used to be that people didn't get to management seats, you know, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, even 90s without going through real management training, which is EQ training. Uh, it doesn't happen anymore. People become managers because they're great individual contributors and everybody's running, putting the wings on after they jump off the cliff, you know. <laughs> well, we have uh, Lisa Kendall who said, love that. There's never any reason for an individual to feel unsafe or left out of professional environments. Yeah, it's kind of silly, right? You want to pay somebody to come do work for you, but then create an environment that doesn't make them feel most empowered. It doesn't, it's, it's an oxymoron. It's, it makes no sense. And yet, again, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, hasn't been the focus. It is now though, Kim, you know, the really, this is what's happening now, which is super awesome. We know that when money gets behind things, <laughs> they, mm -hmm. uh, and so the stock markets giving value to companies based on statistics of retention, not just diversity retention, but retention in general. Organizations themselves are holding C levels to bonuses and performances to retention and development of people and, and diversity. And so I, I look at that as like a huge positive I, uh, to say that usually things don't happen unless money is attached to it. So uh, change will happen. And then there's studies out there like Aristotle, where Harvard and Google 
got together and they evaluated all their uh, managers and they did an EQ or excuse me, an IQ test, and then they evaluated how the people that work for them feel about them and the people and their EQ skills. And the people with the high EQ skills were the top performers. They had lower EQ in a lot of the instances or IQ in a lot of the instances, but they were high performers and, and their EQ trumped IQ on the other, right? And so those studies really empower the markets to say, well, if that's the case, and we know retention creates higher productivity because every time we lose somebody, we're losing all that IP and that training, and you know that's a loss. Then we need to find a way to make this more important, and hence the the valuations are higher and the bonuses and what have you. So I I think we're we're, we're the doors have just opened, and now it's about putting a plan in place for emotional intelligence in the entire organization. So since you were talking about bonuses, that kind of brings me into, you know, talking about salaries and the compensations in this market. What have you seen since the beginning, the startup of CyberSN and now seven years later, where's the fluctuation? Where was it then? And what are you seeing now? Yeah, yeah. So so coming in, the most obvious point that I saw or thing that I saw was that cyber professionals were making, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 percent more than IT and software people. And that was that was clear when we first came in. Now, fast forward seven years and it's more like 25 to 30 percent. And just in the last six months, we're seeing um, some really big challenges and issues with this, which is that now that everybody can be remote, just like what we were talking about earlier, there's more competition. And so somebody on the East Coast for the first time can work for a West Coast company. And West Coast companies pay higher salaries, they offer stock options and bonuses, where typically on the East, the majority don't have stock options. And that's a big difference. So not only are we seeing the salaries increase a lot these last six months as cybersecurity between remote and solar winds, and vendors saying you can't do business with me unless your security practice is solid the need for security professionals has gone through the roof so the last six months is like oh my god between remote and what as well as you know the demand based on these recent events we're seeing all kinds of increases and we're seeing people lose out when, when all's equal to money but at the end of the day i'll tell you this if all's not equal and one place has the experience of inter the, the person interviewed at with an experience of creating a relationship, really liking the people, feeling like they're going to invest in them. There could be a $20,000 difference on that base. And they're most likely not taking that 20000 over that culture. We see that all day long. So I didn't even think about that. So if you have like talking about different markets, you know, if you're in San Francisco, the wages have to be higher because of the cost of living there. So now do they do these companies out of San Francisco, how are they going to manage if someone's in the Midwest, you know, are, are they like now having to look at reevaluate their compensation plans? You know, some companies are not the majority. The majority is saying, I don't care where you live, we'll pay you the same. A few have come out saying they don't want to do that. It's going to hurt them tremendously because the others are not. And uh, yeah, it's completely made the competition even greater for these professionals. Because in the past, if you were an East Coast professional and you couldn't move, I mean, you they, people knew that the West Coast was paying more. And it's not just that, that it's more in the cost of living. That stock option play 
is significant. You're talking seven figures. So, but, be, you know, move your family across country, even though there's a seven figures, not everybody can pull that off, <laughs> you know, uh, nor, or want to pull it off even for the money. And so, you know, now what things I think organizations that are going to put out that, that literally come to the game with uh, the, the, the career planning, the career pathing, a long-term vision for this person, not one years or two years, but five years and beyond even. And, um, the people are really lovely and the experience of interviewing with lovely, they're going to be able to get people, even if their comp isn't as good as somebody else's. It can't be outrageously different because we all have, need money to put over our heads and you know, some, it can be too tempting and people will take it. But this is this is definitely a good time to say your work culture now is going to affect whether you get this talent because the competition is high. And your interviewing process, do not forget. I mean, I can't believe the, in, the stories we, you know, my firm hears every day about these interviewing processes. I mean, seriously, it's it's just like, we got to think, you know, like, right. are, are we using our brains? You know, like think it's a human. They need to be treated the same way you want to be treated for an interview process. Goodness. And do you have too much on your plate right now? Are there too many candidates that you guys are dealing with? You know, yes. From the perspective of we can't help everybody and 89% of the market doesn't love where they work. 89%. That's a lot. And I'm saying love. I'm not saying that they're absolutely miserable, but they're, if you don't love, then you're missing things that are significant. So uh, there's a lot of people that need help and the search process is broken. And even though we're the solving it and so forth, it's not completely, you know, everybody in one place yet. We will be soon. And so, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of one-on-one -on -one work. So, um, Lisa Kendall from Cyber SN. I can't click on the link because I'm afraid I'll take us out of here, but maybe you know what she's talking about. She said, here's the info for Project Aristotle. Do you know that what? Was, that was what I was just talking about, that Google okay. Harvard study. It was oh. Fascinating to read the, 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 you know, the more details about it. So thanks for putting that in there, Lisa. Uh, if anybody can see that, uh, it's, a great, it's a great study to read. Well, that's awesome. And I'll definitely, if I click on it, I'm going to take us out of the show. <laughs> so, yeah, I will definitely look at that after. And I'm sure we get, we'll get so many people that'll watch this. So for all the people that watch us on demand, please click on that so you can check out what uh, CyberSent put out there. So what are some of the newest roles? Yeah. Have you seen newer roles in 2021? And can you tell us about them? Yeah. Yeah, we just updated our resources from 35 cybersecurity roles to 45 about three months ago. And the difference of the 10 in between the two is this. One, I mentioned already, a lot of director roles coming, coming at us, which is awesome, which means investment is happening at the team level. Uh, number two is the security engineering role has really um, you know, transitioned into specific roles. So for instance, uh, IAM, Identity Access Management, used to be a part of a security engineer's day. Well, now it's its own 
functional specialty role at scale, not just the big Fortune 100 uh, or 50, but at scale. Uh, same thing with let's say with DevSecOps. You know, used to be a part of you know a security engineer's day. Now it's its own functional role. So we see a lot of the uh, you know the the engineer's role really come into turn into specialty roles. Uh, and then the other thing we saw a high level of is cybersecurity professors have re the demand for educators has significantly changed in the last six months, 12 months max. And that's been really great to see. Uh, and then of course, you know, privacy, privacy tech is a new era uh, among us. It just started to come out and most people haven't heard about it. And it's really about bringing privacy to the code level. So that's why they're calling it privacy tech. Uh, and so that's where we're seeing the majority of the movement that be or new stuff, uh, but cloud security, application security, product security still continues to be uh, the number one demand other than engineers that I was just talking about. Well, and Lisa also put in the chat another link for the 45 job categories um, for cybersecurity jobs. And I all the time, because I'm working with IT people all across North America, I always have people that are like, hey, I just, you know, I'm moving. So I don't know why I haven't thought about you guys, but I will definitely start sending them your way because, yeah. you know, I, I see a lot of CISOs that are looking for new jobs. But um, so it is interesting you know, just the market and, you know, how, what's going on. Um, I was just going to ask you something and I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. So what do you think about having now, you know, you see a lot of these larger companies um, having a CISO and now a B CISO. Mm. So yeah. what, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, we're seeing a lot. We're seeing that too. I, I should have mentioned that with the directors. I think it's great. You know, what, what we're really seeing that role uh, to be so far, and again, nothing's absolute, is um, a program manager, uh, uh, but having all the skills, you know, uh, that are needed to be a program manager in such a very serious role. So meaning the ability to manage projects, the ability to manage people, the ability to get communication going across all departments, you know, th that role is super needed because security is um, no longer, you know, that one room. <laughs> They're ev they need to be everywhere, right? Or the concept. So yeah, it's been really cool to see that, um, that role come. We started talking about the role five, six years ago, you know, which meant the business, you know, the, the, the role of understanding how the business needs security, not how just information needs secured. Well, I don't, I, yeah, I don't think, you know, it has to be part of everything. I mean, because those one person, you know, who's your weakest link at, at your company, it could be the human resource person. It could be, you know, the person, I mean, I, anybody so so what are the responsibilities are you prepping like your candidates that look you're not just going to have a role you're going to have to get to know all the other people in the departments because it is it i believe it is the ite security people you know they, it's their job to keep the corporation safe 
Yeah. So, yeah. It's a big EQ role. I mean, it's interacting with people all day long and empowering departments to be secure minded and feel good about it and not fear it. And it's a lot of work. Uh, we have a, its own functional role in our platform, its own um, job description questions, and it's, uh, it's robust. And it really depends on the organization. And that's the thing with titles, you know, in general, which is why what we focus on is, okay, what's the title? But really what we want to know is the tasks and the projects that you want done. And so if you have ever crafted a job on our, pro, our platform or created a profile such that you're, you know, can be found by by employers, we're using the taxonomy of tasks and projects. And if there's a 1% chance that that task or that project could be associated with that job title, then we want to know, does, do you need this done? Or have you done this? Uh, are you doing this? Excuse me. And so it's that kind of content detail that really matters because titles are just titles, unfortunately, or fortunately. It it um it almost seems like you know when you go out to dinner and there's a whole bunch of people and sometimes people you know seat you next to someone you don't know so you can get to know them. It's almost like they should take the IT security teams and just put them in different departments for the day so they can get to know you know the other people yeah. in the company. You know just well you know I I love that and I'd like to see it too. And so let me say this to everybody: there's so few security people in a company compared to IT. <laughs> it's, you know, two or three in most small enterprises, you know, large enterprises, of course, you've got much more, maybe five, but a lot of outsourcing, you know, so these departments are really understaffed in order to do those things. Yeah. Yeah, that's the challenge too. But yes, as much as possible. And that's why something else that's important is the ability to take people from other departments and bring them into cybersecurity and get them savvy enough to help, you know, that cross-pollination. I've firms that I've seen do that, taking business leaders from other places, managers, even mid-level, and bringing them into security makes a difference because now you got their relationships that they have in those because it all comes down to relationships. Right. How fast can you build them? And we are um, down to about two minutes left of the show. It looks like Lisa did put the um, link for people to create a profile on at CyberSN. So that's great. So um, what would you want to leave with all of our viewers and listeners on Voice America? Because we have a whole other group of people listening on the radio show on the business platform if people are looking for our show. I'd say, you know, we all have to take responsibility for emotional intelligence and not wait for our organizations to invest in us. So look for training. You can find Myers-Briggs and learn about how you interact, you know, and find a lot of free resources. Situational leadership, those are two I love. I have a lot of videos on YouTube on EQ skills. You can find others out in the world. Take take it upon yourself because waiting is not uh, is not going to really get you where you want as fast. And I'd say um, if your organization does not treat you well and you do not work somewhere respectful, there are places out there that are. So work at getting out. Well, Daedra Diamond, CEO of Cyber SN, thank you so much for joining me today and love to have you back. That hour flew. You had so much to say. So um, 
Thank you, Daedra. Daedra, everyone. Uh, I have to say Daedra five times. So thank you, Daedra. Um, and thank you, everyone, for joining our show again, another episode of And Security for All. Please um, follow us on any of your favorite podcast stations, and we will be back next week. So stay well, stay safe, and everyone stay secure, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host seamless podcast started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher.